eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, Dolphin fans, and welcome into a very special regular season episode of Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show. I'm your host, Josh Houts. You can follow me on Twitter at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z, and I'm joined by the one, the only, Jake Mendel. Follow him on Twitter at J-M-E and D-E-L-94. We have lots to talk about, but before we do, one programming note. Moving forward, you can expect to see a brand new episode of Finsider Radio on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And like we always say, the best way to stay up to date with the latest episode is by subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a nice review. Now that we got that out of the way, let me introduce you to my co-host, Jake Mendel. How's it going today, Jake? Josh, you must be practicing that in the mirror because that, that was perfect. You got the pitch down. It's like you're ready to uh, first have our own YouTube channel and just do those generic uh, like cutouts and the generic subscribes. You have that down perfectly. You can tell we're in regular season form. And looking at the calendar, Josh, not only do the Dolphins play this weekend, it is already Wednesday. Can you believe that? I can't. I can't. I mean, we're what, three, four days away now from this game. And I mean, dude, it still feels like it's going to be forever, though, at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it it really does. So, Josh, so there are still four days before the Dolphins play the Patriots up here in uh, Massachusetts. Everyone, I'm seeing it a lot on social media. I'm seeing it a lot uh, going to the Miami Herald, wherever you look. Everyone's already got the Dolphins Patriots preview out. But there's so much still developing with that game. We could talk about Adam Shaheen and Austin Jackson being on the COVID-19 list. We could just talk about what Bill Belichick is going to try to take away from the Miami Dolphins offensively. But 
you just mentioned it. We're going to be doing three shows a week. So if we're doing a show today being Wednesday, we're also be, we'll also have one out on Friday. Instead of doing two preview shows, I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to go back and think about 10 things we learned at this preseason. Of course, there's a lot of people who, who like to stick out there that, you know, the preseason doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, but I think we really can take one final bite out of this for, you know, uh, week developmental stage, I guess we should call it, where you got to keep in mind too, Josh, uh, players like Ted Karras, he played 100% of Miami's offensive snaps last year. He's no longer on that offensive line. Eric Flowers played 80% of snaps. He's no longer on that offensive line. On the other side of the ball, you got Bobby McCain missing 90%. So while, you know, players, or uh, coaching staffs, I know Bill Belichick does it. I know Brian Flores does it. These guys get so excited for these joint practices. Uh, but what these games do show us is that, Maybe people, how they mentally prepare, how they mentally operate on the field, especially around new guys, especially when maybe there's not a huge, crazy crowd, but a little bit. It just kind of gives you that live action feel. So I think we, we can spend a little more time talking about this and, and take one more piece out of this preseason uh, before we really gear up for this regular season. Yeah, Jake, and let's not, you know, let's not sure. Let's jump right into it. The first one we have down here is Miami's playbook under George Godsey and Eric Studsville seems to be making things much easier on the quarterbacks. We alluded to this on a previous podcast. I mean, you see Tua Tungavailoa out there. He's seeing the things better. It just seems like this offense is built better around him, and he's executing. Went 24-34, 282 yards, had that long 50-yard completion of Mike Kosicki, had one touchdown, one interception, but it wasn't just Tua. It was Jacoby Brissett who also went out there and executed well. 14 of 18, 166 yards, had a long of 29, and also two touchdowns, and even Reed Sinet, you know, we joked about it. He went out there and had that monster game over 401 yards this preseason, three touchdowns. So, um, you know, overall, this offense just looks much different and it's a credit to the weapons. It's a credit to Eric Studsville, George Godsey, and even a little bit to Charlie Fry, but this offense looks much different. And, you know, that's going to be a key to the Miami Dolphins success in 2021. And it's so relieving to have that sense of consistency at the quarterback position. Because, Josh, I think one of the biggest issues yet last year was the fact that the quarterback and the playbook didn't always mesh, right? We could sit here and say that Gailey was calling different plays or, or whatever it may be. But simply put, that wasn't a playbook or a style that fit Miami's quarterbacks in general, right? It was pretty much tailored to someone like Ryan Fitzpatrick. But what we're seeing this year is that continuity that I think you see successful franchises really start to develop the fact that hey it doesn't matter if it's Tua it doesn't matter if it's Reed Sinet these guys are to come out and they're going to be able to have success in this because we're putting them out there and putting them in situations to succeed I mean we could look at the fact that Sinet was even sacked six times we know the offensive line is a weakness for the Miami Dolphins but he still had success out there that team still had success out there and that just really is a Huge credit to uh, the duo of George Godsey and Eric Studsville, who are doing something that hasn't been done in nearly 20 years. That's two guys sharing the uh, role of offensive coordinator. So far, Josh, for these quarterbacks, I mean, they have to be pretty happy with how things are looking for them. They really do. And then on top of that, you also have Dan Marino, the greatest of all time in that quarterback room with you. But one interesting note I want to bring Bad. up about Reed, about Reed Sinet was the Dolphins. He was one of the three players that they protected on the practice squad. So, um, you know, that, that speaks volumes about maybe what they think about Reed Sinet as far as, you know, maybe a veteran backup down the road when Jacoby yeah. Brissett ends up going on. So that to me stuck mm -hmm. out because they didn't keep three quarterbacks on the active roster. But to protect Reed Sinet instead of uh, Kirk Merritt or some of those other guys, that was definitely a little surprising to me. 
Josh, I got to ask you, uh, what's a show that you really enjoyed and then the end of it was just a total stinker? Oh, come on. Um, I, Game of Thrones. You know it's Game I, of Thrones. I know a lot Damn of people it. go Game of Thrones. I've never, I haven't watched it all the way through. I'm a guy no. who likes to watch things start to finish. And I just look at those hour-long episodes and those seasons and I will do it. I promise I'll do it. Please, For me, please it's do Dexter. It. Yes. A show I get that really into and just stinker. Damn. That is like the storyline of the Miami Dolphins, their wide receivers this year. We spent months, Josh, talking about how all these receiving battle is going to be so intense. We don't know who's going to get cut. We could see wild turns left and right. We have news coming out that Isaiah Ford has been kept on the practice squad. Same with Kirk Merritt. So, Josh, we got so riled up about how this receiving battle is going to be so intense. You know, Alan Hearns, Lynn Bowden, those guys end up on injured reserve. And the team keeps his wide receivers and everyone lives happily ever after. Who would have thunk? Who would have thunk? And I think a wise man, I don't know who actually said it, but I know you say it all the time. Best ability is availability. And, you know, we sat here and joked, why do the Dolphins have, what, 12, 13 receivers? It was because, you know, they're all banged up. They're all going through something. Keep them all too. <laughs> it really does seem that way. So, um, you know, it's crazy to see that all these receivers are here. And again, Isaiah Ford's back there in the practice squad speaks volumes about, you know, what this coaching staff thinks of him. I continue to hear, you know, he's one of the smartest receivers we work with. He's not going out there and producing. So is this, you know, maybe a coaching job down the road? I mean, that's the way that, you know, I'm starting to maybe see that the Dolphins are looking at this. But, Jake, it's just crazy the way this this receiving core, man. It's just we saw, thought it was going to be this awesome battle. We thought all the cream was going to rise to the top. And really what it was was it was just the last man standing when all was said and done. Yeah, we got a couple of Jalen Waddle highlights, so that was nice at least. So number two, I mean, it's basically that the team is keeping all these wide receivers around the team one way or another. Um, and after stressing about it, it seems a little silly now to really say out loud. Josh, moving on to number three here, and this is this is a train I want to get on really early because I think it's going to fill up pretty fast. And I think one thing we really learned is that tight end is going to be a huge part of what the Miami Dolphins are going to do on the offensive end. We're talking about how many wide receivers this team is keeping, but you think about guys like Devontae Parker and Mac Hollins. They can kind of fill that role that Miami Dolphins are going to use for their tight ends, generally speaking, right? They're not going to be out on the line and blocking defensive ends. But in terms of uh, how they're going to get guys open in the red zone, I think the Miami Dolphins are really going to lean on their tight ends. And that's somewhere Devontae Parker has always had success. We saw Matt Collins have success in the red zone with Tua last season. So, Josh, I think when we see how the Miami Dolphins are going to develop their offense we need to keep in mind that the team broke uh, the receiving yards and touchdown records at tight end just a season ago. And with another year of experience for this unit, I mean, I just think that uh, Tua and these tight ends and, and this entire uh, quick, decisive offense is really going to lead to a uh, down the middle seam threat that we're not used to seeing from the Dolphins. Yeah, and I mean, we're starting to see Mike Kosicki become part of that. And, you know, maybe they're keeping a lot of these tight ends because some of them do the blocking a little bit better than, you know, what we see from a Mike Kosicki. But, Jake, we're talking about tight ends. It's almost it'd be a shame not to sit here and bring up Mark Andrews just signed a four-year, $56 million contract extension. That was a few days ago. But, you know, my immediate thought after that was, oh, no, you know, Mike Kosicki, you know, money signs, money signs, money signs. So, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about that. I don't want to spin too far out of control here. But Mike Kosicki, we already knew was going to get paid. And now we look at you looking at Mark Andrews contract is almost a ceiling. Mike is is going to get somewhere between 12, 13 million dollars. I really hope a Hunter Long or some of these other guys step up and prove that they can be that seem that vertical threat that we see in this offense, because if not, the Dolphins are almost going to 
I don't want to say have to pay Mike Kosicki, but when you're sitting here discussing how important the tight end is to let a talent like Mike Kosicki go, you know, yes, he can't block. Yes, he's, you know, maybe one dimensional to a sense. But, um, you know, that to me was, uh, oh, shit. Now we're going to have to pay Mike Kosicki a lot of money. Yeah, and if you follow the breadcrumbs a little bit, Josh, um, George Godsey was a tight end coach. The team is keeping five tight ends. You know, we, we talked about the receiver battle. They keep six of them, and they keep one less tight end at five. Obviously, guys like Stephen Carter are going to be more practice or, uh, special teams guys, excuse me, uh, the disrespect to practice squad and special team guys. Wow. I, uh, Ryan I Tannehill. You're Ryan Tannehill over here. <laughs> Nice, nice callback on that one. Uh, but Josh, I think you're right about someone like McSickey really being that vocal point. And I don't think we should really uh, run before we can walk here in terms of that contract. I want to kind of see how it goes this season, uh, because I'm going to stick to the fact, I think if you want to win a million dollars on like FanDuel or some sort of DFS this year, I'm telling you, there's going to be one week where it's uh, Adam Shaheen, if he ever hits the field, uh, if Durham Smythe has a game. I could see one of those guys having like three touchdowns in any sort of weird game. Maybe it's three receptions for like 12 yards and three touchdowns, but I really see that as a possibility for these Dolphin tight ends. Yeah. And I, I wish I knew who brought it up on Twitter, but someone suggests, you know, Seathan Carter might be more of a Jonah Smith. You know, we might be seeing him take some of those end rounds, use some of that speed. So this could be a player, you know, that again, the Dolphins signed him for a reason, right? He was kind of flying under the radar. So I'm excited to see what they have in mind for some of these tight ends and, you know, the way this offense as a whole runs. And Jake, I'm talking about having to pay Mike Kosicki. For me, I think I'd feel a little bit better if Adam Shaheen, um, you know, is more available because the Dolphins signed him. They love him as a player. And we saw him in preseason. That dude is a that dude is a nightmare in the red zone. So I, I'd like to see Adam Shaheen, you know, become more available and go out there and, and make those plays and maybe make it a little easier on the Dolphins to make that decision. On to number four, Jake, two of 2020. And two of 2021 are two very, very different people. You have written down here. He looks comfortable, confident, looks like a blackjack dealer tossing cards around there. He does. He looks like Gambit, right? From, from uh, X-Men. Is that, did I do that reference right? But I mean, Jake, I just, just smile and nod. I have no, I have no idea what you're talking damn, about. I thought, I thought you knew. Okay. So <laughs> neither of us know comics and I'm trying, okay, forget that. Scratch that reference. But anyway, I mean, he's out there and he really is. He looks like a surgeon. We talked about he's, he's seeing the defense differently. He knows where his players are going to be. And if he doesn't, if you see somebody doesn't like, he's going to go out there and tell him about it. He's more comfortable he's a vocal he's a leader and it's just everything again that we want to see him do from january from all that noise from that terrible performance in week 17 up until the regular season he's done that one step at a time and bill belichick you know arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time i'm going to say don Schultz is the greatest coach until i'm in soil on the ground but he said you know two is a much different player than what he was last year completely different so that to me is what i'm most excited for because i've been tweeting all week long to a ton of is one and oh against the new england patriots people were like dude you are going to be old takes exposed so damn fast that this game goes south so um i'm excited to see two a ton of in 2021 and most importantly this weekend up there in foxborough you're saying it with your chest out, Josh. That is what's important here. And I think it's important to keep in mind, too, that when we're having a conversation like this, uh, we can, I think everybody, if you cannot say Tua looks different, uh, you're just not watching. What you can say, though, could be a hater. But what you can say, though, here we go. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to throw in the hate. I'm going to throw a fastball right at it. Just because he looks different doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be successful. We still need to see that on the field. Oh, and that hurt. I, yeah, oh, the dagger. <laughs> but the important thing here and what we learned in the preseason, it doesn't matter that he threw an interception in the end zone. I think we said that when it happened. It doesn't matter that he threw a touchdown. I think we said that when it happened. What we do see is the offense has a purpose. 
When we saw Tua uh, maneuver through whatever that offense was last year, we saw how is this guy ever going to move the ball down the field? How is he ever going to find the end zone? We see the vision. And I think that's kind of where the preseason really shines is we should be a little more comfortable, a little more confident, kind of like Tua is, just in the fact that we see how this team can be successful. That isn't something we really knew, uh, you know, last year. Even with Ryan Fitzpatrick, it was, please, for the love of God, Devontae Parker, catch it over someone. Don't let your uh, cornerback intercept it. And we got to do that like four times and we're going to call it a touchdown. Thanks for playing. And I have to bring this up. It's his pocket presence, isn't it? The way he maneuvers around that pocket, despite how awful this offensive line is. I mean, we see the clips of Austin Jackson whiffing on block after block and Tua just finds a way to, you know, keep his eyes downfield. looks like a ballerina at times. So you're right, Jake. We can't sit here and say just because he looks different, we're going to go out there, win 10, 11 games. This is going to be, you know, we got our quarterback now. I feel like we do. But I think the best part about this Miami Dolphins team is if for some reason, and I hate that I'm even bringing this up, if Tua is not the guy, this team is, you know, built. That maybe besides the offensive line, they're built where they can go out there and maybe find another right. quarterback and go out there and again continue that success. So just win a Super Bowl and just win a damn Super Bowl. <laughs> Let us, you know, buy all that like gear. That. That, yeah, please. So, uh, on to number five, you want to move on to number five because I'm ready. We learned number that five. number five is we still have not learned what the Miami Dolphins' vision is at the running back position. We all sat here and thought Miles Gaskin was going to be, you know, the starting running back. Malcolm Brown is listed as the first string running back. Malcolm Brown started that first preseason game. So I really don't know if this is going to be similar to that Jordan Howard thing. If it's truly going to be, you know, okay, we're going to go up there in New England. We're going to try to pound the rock. We want to use this big bulldozer kind of guy, you know, guy that should be able to take on some of that contact and get those sure yardage. But as we saw in preseason, he kind of avoided contact at times. So uh, we really don't know what's going on here. But Coach Brian Flores was praising Miles Gaskin earlier this week where he said his biggest improvement since arriving in 2019 is in pass protection. He went on to say he's not a guy that we have to take out in those situations. So, I mean, you got Brian Flores, the head coach, basically saying Miles Gaskin would be a three-down running back. They continue to praise how well he, you know, has learned the system, how he's gotten better every year. Why is Malcolm Brown this first-string running back? That does not make any sense to me. That's the point, right? I think I owe everyone who covers the Dolphins a huge apology because, you know, I was talking about last season how nobody really spoke about, like, Matt Breida and Jordan Howard, the Thunder and Lightning. Like, that's all we heard during the preseason. That's all we heard uh, during training camp. And I was so confused because there was no Thunder or Lightning. There was maybe a a little forecast, a little, uh, you know, cloudy outside. Uh, But, Josh, it would have been the same thing last year with Jordan Howard and, and Matt Breida. What the Dolphins are going to try to do is have a versatile unit, uh, a you know carousel, if you will, where Malcolm Brown is going to be that short yardage, maybe near first down guy who's going to really set the tone, right, with a five-yard gain or something along those lines. Where Gaskin, you can have him there. Uh, you know, you need a two-minute drill. You need a four-minute drill. Uh, second and long, something like that, Gaskin can really be your guy, the consistency, the professionalism. He is really that guy who you want to lean on. And then, you know, Selvan Ahmed, I still think can be that big time burner, that big time playmaker who can really turn, Hey, we schemed this play for five, six yards and it turned into 50, 60 yards. I think that's where the dolphins really want to go. But I think once the season's kind of starts to, um, get rolling a little bit, I think it's just going to really start to be Gaskin again, just because of the consistency in terms of situational football. He seems to, you know, have uh, every box checked and seems like in most situations. He does. And I, I don't want to, I'm not sure if I can bring out this spoiler, but I'm in a, um, a charity Dolphins fantasy football league with some of, you know, the big names out, you know, Kyle Krabs, Biggie, some of these other guys, Travis Wingfield, 
was also in that group and he drafted Salvin Ahmed and, you know, he's at practice every day. He sees those things talking about those wheel routes. So maybe we do need to keep our eye on Salvin Ahmed because I mean, this guy, as we saw when Miles Gaskin was out last season, looked to be a game changer at times. Yeah, Josh. And moving on to number six, I mean, this isn't something we see often from the dolphins. It's usually, we know pretty early on what a player is going to be. You know, the big, jumps I don't really remember seeing like second 30 year jumps from uh, Adam Gase players even Joe Philbin guys I mean those drafts were just really hard to manage at times uh but this is a group I mean Brian Flores and company they they put Michael Dieter in the oven and they let him cook and cook and cook and he seemed to warm up and be part of the offensive line now and I'm pretty surprised all things considered but it just kind of seems like where we're at Brian Flores uh this group seems to trust him there his numbers in the preseason were pretty great if I remember correctly and they waived Matt Skuras so Josh in terms of things we did not expect this preseason I think Michael Dieter being the starting offensive center uh undisputably undisputedly may be one of the biggest uh turns we've seen Jake, I have to ask you, were you sitting there reading that cook and cook and cook until he warmed up? Because that was <laughs> so perfect. Holy crap. That was that was awesome. And, you know, to your point, the, the guy behind him is what, Greg Manns? Am I saying that right? The guy that they claimed off waivers? Who's you know, just came, yeah, we don't know. Just came in. Just, yeah, who's Manns? Just came into camp. So, um, Michael Dieter, you know, when you look through this offensive line, I mean, he's one of those, I don't want to say those sure things there, but he is going to be the center. I mean, who else is going to play center this season? So, it's a testament to him. You love that the coaching staff, you know, they came in, they kind of cross-trained him, let him do his thing. And then they saw that what he could become and they gave him that job and it doesn't look like he ever turned back. So that's exactly what you want to see. And we're talking about Michael Dieter, Jake. It brings up the question, who's going to be the next guy on this offensive line to develop? Everyone's talking about Liam Eikenberg. We have to, yeah, which we have to bring this up, don't we, with this offensive line. Is Austin Jackson even playing this weekend? Is Austin Jackson even going to be available? I don't know if he is, and that just sets up. That's why we're doing the preview on Friday. (laughs) We have the foresight. (laughs) So we don't know if Greg Little's going to start there at left tackle. We don't know if Liam Eikenberg might get moved there. But to me, I think Liam Eikenberg, you know, all those reps he got in college at left tackle, that seems to be his natural position. They might have been doing something similar with him where they wanted him to play on the right side, play a guard, cross-train him a little bit because they already knew what he could do there. So for me, I think Liam Eikenberg might be that next guy up. Um, We got to go with our big fish. We got to also mention the big fish, Solomon Kinley. I mean, he gave up that left guard spot early on, but took it back and, you know, never looked back. So um, these young players, we need to see them develop. We need to see them take the next step. But for as down on this offensive line as everyone has been, maybe we should all just turn our head and look at Michael Dieter and realize maybe these young players need time to develop. You know, maybe these rookies don't cook overnight. You know, maybe they don't, they need to cook, cook, cook before they warm up. And uh, maybe we just need to give them a little bit more time. And that's the way I see it anyway. Yeah, Josh, it's starting. I'm starting to get the impression that Liam Eichenberg uh, was played at both left guard and right tackle just to see if he could grab the opportunity and steal or take one of the starting jobs, right? Uh, because it seemed like he was the guy somewhere on this offensive line for most of the preseason. I mean, we also, it's depth chart season, right? We don't like this can change in a week and Eichenberg can instantly be the team's right tackle. Uh, he was dealing with some injuries, so it could even be a uh, one week, two week thing. But to me, Josh, it kind of seems like they moved him around a little bit, a little bit to see if he could really uh, jump in front of whether it be a Solomon Kinley or Jesse Davis at right tackle. And, uh, Maybe he can be that next guy who just kind of needs a little while to sit on uh, the back burner. I mean, I can't really say that, though, when you think about the fact the Dolphins are probably going to need him this year. So I kind of want to go back to my guy, Larnell Coleman, is that next one who maybe in a couple years. Because Michael Dieter, we never really thought of him as one of the you know top five, six, seven offensive linemen, right? And I, don't, I think for the Dolphins to be successful this year, I mean, Eichenberg needs to be one of those guys. 
yes, here I am debating my own uh, uh, rundown <laughs> here, but <laughs> this is where we're at in the preseason. Yeah, this is where we're at. And, you know, maybe they just need to go out there and get those reps to truly, you know, become the player that many of us expect because, you know, you're right. A Lornell Coleman has is a better option to sit here and say they need to put in the back burner, let Cook, cook, yeah. cook before he goes, than a Liam Eikenberg, who, you know, by all accounts might be out there on Sunday. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys... It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Number seven, Jake. Noah Igbenogany continues to struggle. This really hurts, especially for, you know, some of us fans who wanted a J.K. Dobbins, one of one of those fancy running backs, maybe a center. Your 21-year-old your corner continues to fall down the depth chart. And, you know, it, it's, it's a, not... It's not that big deal when you got a Byron Jones, when you got Xavier Howard's there, but when he can't beat out a Nick Needham, when he's, you know, being supplanted by a Justin Coleman, who, yes, he's that veteran presence. Yes, he's that guy, you know, understands Flores' defense, you know, by all accounts, is going to go out there and make plays. It, it, you just want to see more out of him. We saw him, we had one pass breakup in preseason. You know, he looked good at times, but no Ibanagani, 21 years old. I want to see more out of him, Jake. What about you? Yeah, that definitely be nice. I mean, he had a lot of opportunities there in the preseason to at least give us something. And, I don't think we'd knock if he didn't beat out Nick Deedham, who was awesome, if he doesn't beat out uh, a veteran like Justin Coleman. But it'd be nice to kind of see him flash there and have a couple of big moments. I guess he was pretty solid against the Bengals, where he played 67 snaps, and he only allowed two catches on his uh, five targets against. Uh, In general, he allowed 13 receptions on nine targets for 102 yards. Josh, you're right. You kind of want to see a little more out of him and you got to wonder where he's going to see that opportunity. He's listed as a boundary quarterback behind Byron Jones, uh, Justin Coleman, Nick Needham. These are guys who I think we're going to see often. And it really brings up the question. If you're not seeing a former first rounder in his second year and, and when, when should you start to get concerned, I guess is the big question. And, and that's, you know, that's where we're toying with here because, you know, we're sitting here talking about how he maybe shouldn't be able to beat out Justin Cole, maybe shouldn't be able to be on Nick Needham, but you draft him in the first round, you know, this is a second year. You want to see your first round draft pick go out there and be able to supplant some of those guys. So I do think it's a little bit concerning, but we go back to the Michael Dieter thing. Like we just talked about, this is a 21 year old cornerback has all the physical tools Great. is with Josh Boyer is with Brian Flores. I mean, if there's any coaching staff that can turn this guy into a superstar, it's a dolphins. But at this point you got to feel a little bit, concerned for his development moving forward yeah a little concerned about his development for sure but josh at the same time i mean 
maybe there's just too many cooks in the kitchen. I mean, Josh, Nick Needham is looking so much better than he did a year ago. He had a 79 pro football focus grade in week one on more than 20 coverage snaps. Uh, he had pass breakups on slants twice. And, hey, you're a slot receiver. You're going over the middle. It's one of the hardest jobs in football. He seems to be pretty solid at it, especially as an undrafted guy. It's It's been kind of great to see him develop. Uh, he played five snaps in the slot uh, week two, and then he hopped outside when Byron Jones and Xavier Howard left the game. Uh, Josh, what have you seen out of Nick Needham? Because it's, he's someone who's going to get the ball thrown at him, right? When you have Byron Jones and you have Xavier Howard, he's someone who's going to have the ball thrown his way. Quarterbacks are going to test their luck. And he seems to be the one who's making the highlight plays more than the quarterback. Man, I think you could argue, you know, playing nickel quarter in the NFL might be the hardest position to play because you're pretty much on an island against, you know, a tight end against some of those speedy receivers. So who can go anywhere? Who can go anywhere? Nick Needham. I mean, this is a guy fan favorite. We know the story, you know, undrafted, worked his way, worked his ass off, basically. But I mean, he just looks like a different player, Jake. You don't know if it's because he was getting ready because Xavier Howard's hold out. You just don't know if it's because, again, they had what? 14, 15, 16 DBs at one time. I mean, this is the group that you did kind of see the cream rise to the top. You did see a Nick Needham start to stand out above the rest. And, and that's just what you want to see. I don't care if it's him. I don't care if it's Coleman. I really don't care if it's no Benogany. I know, you know, as, as hard as that is, is to say, as long as you're going right. out there and you got your best players out there, I mean, uh, is there a better, maybe, uh, I was going to say, is there a better tandem in the NFL than Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, and Nick Needham? I mean, that's a pretty damn good trio of corners. And um, it's just a testament to how well Nick Needham has developed this season. Despite playing much in the slot, he is going to be a boundary receiver. At least it seems like that early on being listed behind Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. Josh, I do have to say Justin Coleman is listed at the starting slot corner with freshly signed Elijah Campbell behind him. Coleman kind of seemed like one of those guys who you could kind of just plug and play. You knew he'd fit right away. He seems like a perfect like Chris Bosch type player where if he's your best cornerback, I don't really know how far you're going to get, but as your number three, I mean, he can take advantage of every opportunity that comes his way. Uh, but Josh, we know, we just said it, these rosters, these depth charts, they change so often who plays more snaps this season, Justin Coleman or Nick Needham. I'm going with Nick Needham. I think it's got to be Nick Needham. I think, again, you know, what he did in preseason in the nickel spot. And again, I think, you know, this is just reindeer games with the Dolphins in what sense. I mean, anybody that looks at that depth chart and gets mad, you know, because Jalen Phillips third down the list or, or because someone else is listed above another person. This is a Brian Flores defense with all those different multiple looks, you know, with all those different fronts. I mean, I'm not putting too much stock to this. I'm going to go with Nick Needham. What about you, man? I like Nick Needham just because it goes back to the consistency. Since he arrived in 2019, you know, he has played in almost every game. You know, Byron Jones misses a couple of games. Xavier Howard misses a couple of games. Nick Needham seems to always be there and he'd be in any situation uh, needed, really. He'll, he'll kind of line up everywhere and not get really torched, which is, I guess, kind of the uh, – saving grace there and what you really want out of your quarterbacks. Josh, and that tone about the Miami Dolphins secondary can kind of seep into the rest of the unit here because depth may lead to Miami's success up front in terms of Josh, tell me a little bit how this front seven can operate. You mentioned it, you know, we have Jalen Phillips here as a third string defensive end, third string linebacker. How is this unit going to find success? I mean, it's just going to be continuous looks, Jake, and just those multiple fronts. And the biggest thing that I saw, Jake, is a video from Brett Coleman. I think he's a YouTube guy, breaks down film better than anyone. He broke down the tape and showed a stunt where Adam Butler crashed in 
and you see Sam McGuavin loop around and it's called a cold stunt. You just saw Sam McGuavin, the way they were using stunts and different ways to create pressure up front. I mean, it truly is just the way this defense is built. And for me, it's going to be a rotation of guys. You got Christian Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Zach Steeler. They brought in Adam Butler, who to me is an upgrade over Devon Godshaw, who I guess that's a revenge game this weekend for Devon Godshaw. But I think if you look at this defense for as good as that secondary is, this defensive front, you know, that those guys up front, that might be maybe arguably the deepest group on this roster. Yeah, Josh, when people are talking about what the Miami Dolphins need to do, before they take the first breath, it's Tua. After they take that first breath, it's a pass rush, right? And that's kind of where we feel the Miami Dolphins need that next big hit, whether it's Jalen Phillips, whether it's Emmanuel Agba turns into, uh, goes from pretty good to top five, you know, edge rusher in the league. But it's important to keep in mind, Josh, this was a team that still got to the quarterback quite a bit last season. Uh, they were in the top third of the league in sacks. Obviously, that's not top tier, but I think you're pretty happy with that. 41 sacks last season. Pittsburgh was on top of 56. Uh, then you had the duo of Jerome Baker and Emmanuel Agba. Both of them are coming back. They combined for 16 sacks last season. And I think that's the biggest name people are forgetting is Emmanuel Agba, how well he played last year. I mean, he was that pass rusher that the Dolphins needed. Still waiting for that new contract, so we'll see the way that plays out. But for me, Jake, I bring him up time and time again. It's got to be Jalen Phillips being that third-string guy, and I need to know how much he's going to make a presence, you know, in those third-down situations. Because all we saw in camp was, you know, he was setting the edge. He was dropping back in coverage. He was doing those little things that, you know, maybe they, again, they were cross-training him, trying to get him to work on the things he wasn't good at. Because what we saw on tape was this dude was a race car off the edge. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see how he's going to be implemented when right now, again, he's third on the depth chart. And, you know, with some of those packages the Dolphins bring out, those Nebo blitzes, you know, those different looks that they gave Justin Herbert that, you know, forced him to shave his head. That's what I want to see the Dolphins go up there and do this weekend in New England is just make McCorkle look like Steve Urkel. That didn't rhyme, did it? <laughs> Let him go. He's on a roll. Uh, so Sam McGuavin led the league in sacks this preseason, and it's going to be kind of interesting because I do think it's going to be a game-by-game -game basis of just different guys being, I don't know, maybe at the top of um, the pro football focus grades of the week or something like that, uh, because you start with a rotation of Wilkins, Davis, and Sealer, but each of them you know, floated between 50 and 60% of the snaps last season. And then you think about the fact that John Jenkins and Adam Butler, these are proven guys who I think can have a pretty big impact for the team. I do like the depth here because you don't see anyone where you're like, ah, there, there seems to be a little bit of weakness here. Of course, I kind of want to see a little more of what Duke Riley and Brennan Scarlett can bring to the table. But in terms of everyone else in the entire rotation, not only the starters, um, I, I'm pretty happy with it. So Josh, let, let's wrap up here because I think this is going to be the biggest concern. This is going to be something we're going to be talking about quite a bit this year. And I think that's the fact that despite the depth in Miami's ranked seven, how they're built and how this team is simply constructed, the secondary is what's going to be vital against the run for the Miami Dolphins defense this year. I'm with you, Jake. I mean, the part of the Brian Flores' defense is we continue to talk about how they have these different safeties. They have these different guys that can drop down the box and do those things. You have here Brandon Jones. Again, this was a guy who we didn't really hear a lot about this offseason, but maybe that's a good thing. Played almost 40% of snaps last season. We saw him be that, uh, you know, a safety that could drop down there and be almost like a linebacker, can fill mm -hmm. in those holes, do things like a Rashad Jones almost. Nick Needham, same way, can come out from the nickel spot, get off his blocks, make some plays there. So I think those guys are going to have a big say in this. I also believe Javon Holland. I mean, when you look at what he did in college, that was a huge part of his game. Yes, he played a ton of snaps at nickel, but the way he was in that run game, whether it was getting off blocks, whether it was just putting a hit on the running back, filling in on those holes. I mean, Javon Holland, an X-factor in this run game, but we can't sit here and overlook what 
Brian Flores thinks about Alandon Roberts and Sam McGuavin because I sat here and praised Bernard McKinney. I said how much I love that move. And there's tweets all around saying how he was going to be the key to this Dolphins run defense. I got egg on my face. It won't be the last time I'll probably have egg on my face as soon as we wrap up this podcast. But I think it just goes to say how much this coaching staff believes in Alandon Roberts, believes in Sam McGuavin. Yep. And I mean, we can talk about it. That one play against the Chargers, right, Jake? Where was it? Um, where Atlanta Roberts went in and just bulldozed through what two, three guys and the way to a tackle. I mean, he literally tackled threw a guy through another dude, tackled a Rams. dude with it was another the Rams because it was Malcolm Brown, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Malcolm yeah, it was. Yeah, it was Malcolm Brown. Yep, he met his met his former teammate. My bad. Yep, egg on my face. <laughs> he told you. Wow, that is that is incredible. That is the foresight, Josh. Let me let me get your uh, picks for this weekend so we can win a couple bucks. Yeah, Josh, you're 100 right here. Where I think that the fact that I don't. I'm going to stick with this. I don't think Miami's run defense is going to be good, but when you look back to last season, how strong this team was against uh, third down situations in general, I think they were sixth in the league um, in terms of third down defense, third and short, like you're running the ball. I think this team just kind of knows how to operate. They knows they know where to kind of stick with their weaknesses and where they can really be aggressive, especially on passing downs. Josh, I can't believe it. It is. Uh, wow. I got breaking news, Jake. I got breaking news first. Don't don't you do it. You ready for this? Are you ready? Because Twitter is going to be a hellhole today. Your captains for the 2021 season, Alandon Roberts, Jesse Davis, Clayton Fajedlium. I butchered that name. Egg on my face again. Matt Collins and Jason McCordy. Do you hear a name that's missing off this list, Jake, that is going to cause Twitter to go ballistic? Miles Gaskin, how do you not put the best professional on this team on this? I was going to say, I was going to say uh, starting receiver, Jakeem Grant. Ooh, yeah, no, we got to make our own because I th- I think you are completely missing the point here. Uh, I, I think Jason Sanders needs to be a captain. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there's some major issues with this it's list. The, it's I the, think you, you know what I'm talking, I'm getting at though. I, I, mean, th- with, I think the, way the we Dolphins are, are going to go five and 12 now. Uh, it's not, it's, the Dolphins are not out to a good start this season. It's not going to look good without seeing two <laughs> with that captain. And everyone's going to sit here, to, uh, dude, I don't, I don't even, this is good. It's, you know, you know how Twitter is. You know how big of a deal this is going to be when it's not a big deal at all. And it just probably speaks testaments to what some of those other guys have done. I mean, Atlanta Roberts, Jason McCourty right there. Those are two uh, Brian Flores guys, you know, through thick and thin. So um, it's I, Dolphins Twitter, man, it's, it's going to be in shambles. So think of it this way. Are, there's no second-year players. And I don't think there are any third-year players. These are, these so are it, all veterans. Yep. These are all you veterans. You have to be a senior in high school. They're the old heads. You yep, have to be a heads. senior. It's the rule. Like I call them old, but I think the they're rule. all younger Actually, than me. Oh, without a doubt, they're younger than you. Let me, let me look this up <laughs> Come here. Come on. What's that? What do you mean young? Without a doubt. You're telling me McCordy isn't? Damn. Yeah. Matt Collins, this is going to be his fourth year. Jason oh McCordy's 34, dude. Oh, he just, I'm older than him. I turned 30. Damn. All right. I would be, I would be a team captain on the Dolphins. Let that sink in. <laughs> I think that, so yeah, you're going to, everyone's going to overact about Tua, but I think just say that. Everything, you need to be a senior or higher. Yeah, that, and, I mean, show us the line. Uh, that's just funny though, that I'm older than pretty much everyone on the Dolphins team. <laughs> that is so damn sad. <laughs> so as Josh falls apart over here, I think it'd be a nice idea to kind of touch about what we're going to you know, discuss in the preview. Uh, again, I thought it'd be a good idea to do Friday, especially because let's get into it. Austin Jackson, Adam Shaheen on the COVID list. I think Shaheen is 
is already not going to play. Jackson, I think it's still up in the air. Josh, another thing I think we should really get into is what Bill Belichick and the Patriots are going to take away from the Miami Dolphins. Cough, cough. I think it might be the tight ends. Um, and then also, Josh, I want to think this will be a good idea to get in because a lot of people are talking about this. George Godsey, Eric Studsville, that's the big conversation. Barry Jackson actually had a good story on this, but did Brian Flores know this was going to be the plan for the Miami Dolphins at offensive coordinator all throughout last year? Because you think of the fact that it's Miles Gaskin and Tua's even said it, that things sound, you know, a lot like they did last year. It's just different. So I have to kind of start to think to myself that, you know, we say so often like, you know, X amount of coordinators, four, four offensive coordinators in four years, whatever it may be. Is it time we kind of readjust how we look at that statistic, especially when we can see a situation like this, where maybe Brian Flores knew, Chan Gailey, you're gone after a year. These are my two guys. We're going to kind of have an offense that just works together. And it's going to be built in the same language where it doesn't have that, you know, first year offensive coordinators, because that that's kind of what I'm hearing when I read all these stories is that, this is an offensive system that is not brand new and everyone's ready to roll. Yeah. And I, I think you can almost have to be certain that he had a plan in place because Changel is what 69 years old. I mean, he came out of retirement. I, I really don't know what the point was to help the dolphins maybe push to the postseason to help, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, maybe win a playoff game. I, I don't know what the whole reason was there, but I do think, you know, times are changing and people do need to start to realize, you know, these, these times when we're seeing these two offensive coordinators is, you know, maybe going to start to become the norm around the NFL. The biggest thing I'm looking for this week, Jake, and I, I hate that it goes back to the quarterback all the time, but it's the Tua versus McCorkle Jones. I mean, they're not playing each other, but I want to see, you know, Tua outperform Mac Jones. And, you know, whether that's, you know, not throwing interception, just having a better grasp of the offense, winning the freaking game. I mean, that's most important. I just want to, yeah, I just don't want to be sitting there, you know, scrolling through where everyone's like, oh man, Dolphins got it wrong again, because I mean, it's, it's just something you don't want to have to deal with. So I want to see the way the Dolphins attack McCorkle Jones, rattle him. And I ultimately want to see him shave his head looking like Sid from Toy Story, just like Justin Herbert did after that performance last year. You and your Toy Story references, they are unbelievable. I'm old. We went through it. I'm old, and I have two kids with a third on the way. So, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> if you would like to hear more from 2021 Miami Dolphins senior captain Joshua Houts and about how the Dolphins are going to do this season, smash that subscribe button. iTunes, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this, please hit that subscribe button. Helps us out quite a bit. And if you have the time, leaving a review helps other people find the shows. Uh, Josh, I do want to say we had another review where they were complaining about my audio. So, guys, let me know if it, this is miserable because I just bought a new mic, so I have no problem buying another new mic. I just want to make sure we're, uh, we have the situation completely under control before I take that next step. But, again, the subscriptions, the reviews, that stuff's been uh, jumping up a little bit lately, so we greatly appreciate that. Josh on Twitter, uh, who's going to be yelling about how he was disrespected and isn't a captain, can be found at H-O-U-T-Z. I'm at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. And Joshua, this is it. We've been gearing up for this. We start doing three shows a week this week, except Monday already passed and we didn't do a show. So, oh, well, we'll, we'll we got next week. Yeah, we've been pretty flaky like Dandruff, but that's all changing now that the season started. Monday, we're going to hopefully do the review of the game. Wednesday, we'll do whatever we want to do. And then Friday, we'll do a preview show. So, guys, the best way to stay up to date with that is to subscribe to the podcast. If you do that, please leave us a review. If there's ever anything you want us to change, you have questions, concerns, reach out to us on Twitter. Again, I'm Matt Houts. That's Jake Mendel, 94. For the Finsider Radio Podcast, part of SB Nation Network, 
I'm Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you Friday. Fins up. Fins up. Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins